Welcome to The Word Podcast. I'm Seth Williams. And I'm Brendan Ward. And we're here to discuss all things local real estate, legal, title, market, and really anything else we can come up with. So stick with us on this journey as we talk about The Word. All right, Brendan. Um, talk to me, Seth. <laughs> so listen, we wanted to, we're starting episode one. We're starting a podcast. We sure are. We've been talking about it for years. Yeah. Years. And so I suppose we'll take some time here before we have our first official guest episode, which I think will be technically episode two. Or is this like a prequel? This is more like a prequel. This is like the, the original Star Wars. <laughs> okay. So wait, so this is the third? Oh, or is shit. It, yeah, See, you know I'm, that's I'm bad, terrible with analogies. That's a bad analogy. So yeah. Listen, we just wanted to take a few minutes today and just talk a little bit about why we're starting a podcast, lay the ground a little bit out for our listeners of what you can expect. And who the hell we are. Yeah, and who the, who the F are these guys starting yeah. a podcast, right? So, And obviously talk a lot about the real estate market, the legal market, trust, trust in wills and estates and why that matters so much. and The general market, just... You yeah, the know, stock interesting market. people, yeah. Yeah, and really just a, a, a small business owners, it doesn't matter. We just want to interview and talk to as many great people as we can and uh, try and build our network as much as possible and really just try and add value to the local community, I think. I think that's pretty much sums it up. You know, All right, re- see you later. <laughs> real estate is so interesting and there are so many like pieces of it. You know, when you're when you own a home or when you're selling a home, like you have all these other stuff things that you need to do, whether it's like you need to get things painted or you need to get, you know, deleted or you need to, you know, have your awning fixed because a freak storm does came your, in and blew it away. Does you your know, house have an awning? My house does not, but we're looking into getting one. So it'd be oh. nice to hear some awning guests <laughs> come in and talk to us about their business and maybe I can, you know, get them over to the house. We just had a, a oversized awning put on the front of the building. Uh, so, well, I want a retractable you know, one. Oh yeah, this is out of my uh, out of my league. Like the one at sixty nine Pebble F that that blew snapped. away in a freak storm. That snapped yeah. in a freak storm during our open house. That was almost fun. almost lost somebody too there, didn't we? <laughs> we did, we did, we did. That was scary. So, well, listen, let's. I, I suppose I'll start with you. Can yeah. We just catch up the listeners a little bit about your background. We don't need to go all the way back. Yeah. But I'd love to hear a little bit more about you personally, professionally, how you got in this business. Yeah, I think I'll probably try to do it almost like I anticipate our guests, maybe blow your mind a little with something that... I didn't know? Yeah, something you didn't know. I mean, I think we talk quite frequently, and uh, I think we feel like we probably know a lot about each other, but I'm sure we both can uh, unearth something here that we didn't know before. So I'm Brendan Ward. I'm a real estate and trust and estate attorney. I'm a managing partner of uh, Cherry Tree Legal and a... member of Cherry Tree Title, also a law firm. So we have two law firms. Uh, I grew up on the North Shore. I went to school in Nahant, uh, which is a very small, unheard of little town. I call it East East Lynn. I think people <laughs> in Nahant would be probably mad about that. I've also yeah, It should be like South Swampscott, right? Essentially. Yeah, that's probably, probably a better, better term. than East Lynn. Well, in, in Lynn, it goes Lynn. better. Yeah, I bet. I bet the I bet the Lynn people. The Lynn people love it when I downgrade the haunt. They do love that. No and offense to the Lynn people. No, of but I love Lynn people. <laughs> Lynn's where it's at. Um, and then I got an office in Lynn. We have one in Lynnfield, and then we just opened one in Lawrence. Interesting fact: I think we might have the largest law firm in Lynn. We certainly have really, the, yeah, most diverse law firm in Lynn as well. And uh, I've been doing this. I passed the bar in two thousand eight. 
right out of law school, I worked at Coldwell Banker in their corporate headquarters. And you were doing real estate, correct? I was do no, I was in HR. Okay. I was in their HR department and I managed like a lot of the office onboarding of real estate agents. That's so, what I meant. Yeah. Like you were more involved in the real estate transactional coaching compliance people business than you were the legal business. Yeah, I was not a lawyer. I was I was in the HR department working with the managers, onboarding agents, giving them, you know, sort of advice on coaching employees in the in the branch offices. So we typical HR work. Typical HR work. I didn't think I wanted to be a lawyer. So when I went to law school, you know, being a lawyer was not something that I was interested in. I had that job at Coldwell Banker. I loved being in real estate in the real estate world. But I sat there and I was like, I'm doing something that, you know, a high school education could do. And I have a legal degree um, past the bar. Uh, what am I doing? And I decided that I would go become a lawyer. I didn't think I couldn't do it. The thought of failing wasn't even on the horizon. Right. Very cool. Yeah. Now, what, what specifically drew you to Caldwell Banker and the real estate industry at first? I've always been obsessed with real estate and I knew two guys that worked at Coldwell Banker. I reached out to them after I graduated from law school, see if they knew anybody that was looking for employees and they were. So I went and I interviewed and it was between Coldwell Banker and then somebody was trying to convince me, somebody being my dad, uh, <laughs> to become a dist- an assistant district attorney. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Wouldn't have been a good fit. ADA Ward. ADA Ward. So I watched a lot of uh, Law and Order, so I feel like I'm allowed to say stuff like that. Absolutely. I I don't think I would have liked it. So I'm kind of glad the path that I went down. So I was looking at those two at the same time, and I just wanted to jump into Coldwell Banker. And so you got into real estate and Coldwell Banker 2008, 2009? Yeah. Scary time to hop into the, the business. <laughs> oh, it was unbelievable. What was so, that like? It was crazy. So there was a lot of restructuring. I was in a, a support center. So we were in charge of maybe 180 offices wow. from Westchester County, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, New Hampshire, and Maine. In those, it was either 180 or 120 offices. We had um, something like four or 5,000 agents that we had to, you know, handle compliance for in multiple different states. And there was also this time in the world when real estate came to a halting crash. And, you know, they had built up quite a bit over the course of time to, to become a pretty big operation. And that all got merged into these corporate centers yeah Yeah. and and because what they probably did just being a retail guy they probably pulled several local boots on the ground positions out of each independent office gave them multiple offices and then consolidated those people into one building 100 percent, yeah and then classic corporate classic corporate and then they just kept trying to build you know efficiencies sure and well there's a lot of efficiencies when you have that many offices or a lot of redundancies, should I say, that, that cause a lack of efficiency. When that many offices, that many agents, a lot of people doing the same thing multiple times. And, and listen, from a scale standpoint, if you can nip some of that in the bud, there's huge profit, right? Absolutely. That's probably, that's fun. That's fun work. It, it was fun work and it was all happening. And I was dumb enough to not know <laughs> what was happening, right? Like it, it come into something that, that nobody anticipated, the right. 2008 
housing crisis and, you know, the sort of subsequent reaction to that. And, and I had no idea that I was part of this historical event and, you know, just watching it unfold and, and being a part of sort of helping the employees and the agents through that was, was really cool. And, and, and beginning to develop networks and, you know, relationships with all these branch managers that are, you know, still in the business in some way, shape or form, whether they're at Compass now or William Ravis or some of the other organizations, you know, they're all still around and they're still, either managing offices or now they're RVPs and managing whole regions for, you know, some of the bigger brands. Very cool. Yeah. And what about you, Seth Williams? Jeez. I don't know how far. Well, I, I still have some, uh, let's, Oh, we can, we can still focus on me. Yeah. yeah. Let's right. I, I thought, I thought you were giving me a transition. No, there. I, um, I was trying to think of something smart to say. Oh, <laughs> that happens a lot. So let me ask you a question. Do you think and we're, we're probably going off a tangent a little bit, but, what do you think there are, if any, of similarities of 08? Not talking about like market crash, but you just said something that kind of sparked my interest. Like, I didn't know we were in it. And part of me as a realtor, right? Like, I often think, am I like Icarus here too close to it? You know, watching too many of the optimist YouTube videos, following too much of what we call keeping current matters. It's a great real estate resource in the industry to kind of talk about the market and there's a lot of similarities, but also a lot of differences, like how this is not a crash. But man, so many people dropped out of the industry then because it became so hard. I'm starting to see so many people drop out of the industry already here in November of you know 2022, where we actually just had a huge rate lift yesterday. Yes, uh, like in in a in a good way. Yeah. Oh, I know. Um, I, I was on it. I was calling some of our friends saying. You know, relock, relock. Yeah. We we got a problem with one one particular buyer. So what are you doing about that? Like, right. is it premature right. to call? Right. So like, I I'm just curious because I just listed a property yesterday at nine twenty. My client just bought it last year in June, peak hot market in the city, for eight eighty five. Didn't appraise then. Made up a very small difference. It was only like ten grand or so, and the reality is like. If you look at the market trend, the market is significantly up versus June, but on a slide right now mm-hmm. and is pricing that at 920, which like if you see something that sold 18 months ago at 885, like I would, I would say, well, that's not a bad price. Mm-hmm. The reality is, is the market still there? I don't know. You know what I mean? And so this is an active listing. You'll I don't find know if out, I should be you? called. You'll find out, be, won't you? I shouldn't be saying this, but like, I, it's just very interesting to me. Like, do you think there's a lot of similarities to the industry, not so much the market collapse? I think that we are going to be forced into re-envisioning our businesses in a yeah. very similar way that we were in 2008. So I think the similarities well will, said. will be in the, you know, sort of vision that we see and the opportunities that we don't know yet are going to be out there. Yeah. And I think guys like you that are, you know, really forward thinking and and constantly evaluating where the market is, where they think the market's headed are going to be able to spot those opportunities before that really everybody else. So in that way, I think it's very similar. I think it is very different in many other ways. I think the quality of mortgages that we have right now, the the sort of equity that we have in, in real so estate different. is very different than 2008. 
I think that if I were scared about any, you sort of, and you and I have talked about this commercial, commercial. You know, yeah, you yeah. you knew I was going to say it. You know, I think that as we see, I, I was telling you the other day, I read something that in 2024 and 2025, something like 70 or 80 percent of the office space in the city of San Francisco, which is heart of Silicon Valley, uh, where a lot of tech startups are located, come up for rent, and those are the prime candidates for remote workers and they had these you know bananas big cool office spaces right. to attract talent what does that look like we also have archaic uh building codes archaic yeah. zoning laws and we have in the especially in the city of boston you know the current mayor is essentially shut down development through you know laying off or reducing the staff at the boston planning and development authority they're like down 100 employees you know, what? what is that going to look like? So even if we have to pivot commercial and we want to pivot it to housing in the downtown cores, how do, how do you even get that approved? Does the law allow for yeah, it? Yeah, it's an, it's an interesting theory. I'm kind of on the fence with the commercial stuff because, you know, at the end of the day, working remote is kind of cool, but it also is kind of unproductive, at least from, from a leader of people, to be clear. Mm-hmm. Like, I want staff present so we can interact and stay aligned. And don't get me wrong, there's always going to be some people who work virtually, but I just, uh, at scale, that gets really slippery. And so, I, you know, obviously the Boston stuff with uh, zoning and what, I'm, I'm a little bit less aware of some of that stuff, but the reality is I do think there's upside for these buildings to hypothetically convert to residential. That being said, if you don't have to work in the city, why would you want to pay city prices? sometimes you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. and it's possible that that could be a deflation of value over the future years because kind of just like covid when people are like well this is stupid let me run let me run for the burbs and i think covid ended and people went back to the city does this hypothetical change in the commercial real estate landscape change that again who knows it's like I don't know. Everything's changing at light speed these days. Uh, so I, I suppose we'll see how that all shakes out. I, I agree with you. I think it's it's very it's a very different market. No, real estate's not in a bubble right now. But make no mistake, the Fed, who's raising interest rates constantly to curb inflation, right. which, which a lot of people don't understand that when they raise rates, it doesn't raise mortgage rates. I'm sure we'll talk about that on one of our first episodes with some great guests from... Uh, cross-country mortgage and NRL mortgage, uh, Anthony and Lacey, they'll talk all about that stuff. Um, so we'll save it for that episode. But the two, the two are correlated, but they're not the same, right? And so the Fed has come out and clearly said housing and the housing industry is the target here. They're trying to reel in the real estate market. And I feel like as a realtor, I have like my shield up. Trying like step off my mark. Yeah, try, trying to like, you know, block this compression in value. So it's very interesting, whereas obviously 08, a whole, we should we should do an episode on 08 and versus this. And it's like, that should be the episode and have like an economist on because that would be a great conversation about how mortgage lending and the no asset, no income stuff crashed that market. Right. And I, I think that what we don't know yet is what's going to, what, what, is that this time, right? Like, I don't think we've seen that yet. No. Right? Like, and it can come, it's like, we're all sort of just waiting for it (laughs) to, like, jump out from behind a corner, right? Like, is it it commercial real estate? Is it, you know, corporate debt? Is it consumer debt? Is it, you know, all of these things that can have this 
massive impact on what we're all doing. And, and, you know, right now the fundamentals in the market have remained pretty consistent, right? Like we still have heavily employed workforces. We still have short labor, but we're starting to, we're starting to see like meta with their 11,000 job costs. Well, so I, um, I read an article the other day. There's a lot of conversation out there about the corporate debt and how they're trying to see higher profits in the short term because the cash now is going to be infinitely more valuable than the cash later yeah. because of inflation yeah. and how there's a ton of tech companies laying off people right now. Yep. And again, the Fed specifically said, we're looking for job loss in the spring. If mm-hmm. I'm recalling that correctly, don't, don't quote me I, on well, I don't think they said job loss. I think a tightening of the labor market. Yeah, that's said better. Or a loosening of, I'm sorry, a loosening of the labor market. Yeah. I think there was some they... prediction of future layoffs in the spring. Right. And job loss and potentially a higher unemployment. Right. So uh, I don't know. It's going to be really interesting. And um, I do think this is a very J curve related. Right. So we were we were chugging along, man, huge fall off. And like it's very unclear if you if you try and snap that uh, tangent line, so to speak, at the bottom of that curve. Yeah. Are we in the bottom? Are we at the bottom? Are we like an ace from the bottom? And like next thing you know, it's just going to be going right back up real fast. Or are we in a W? Like the word. <laughs> Good one. I don't think it's like, what was it? It was a W or a V curve during COVID. I, I, I think this is much different. It's much more prolonged. It's really tough to identify the true bottom. And once again, like in 2008, when we didn't know what was going on, we still don't know what's going on. And, and, and time is going to tell us. Whether we're in a V, a W, a J, you I'm know. saying J. All right, I like J. I like optimism. I'm saying J. Yeah, I'm an eternal optimist. And again, that could be like because uh, it's Seth J. Williams. No, that's not. No, that's <laughs> not. A lot of people think that's what it is, but oh. it's my wife's my wife's first initial. Oh, that's right. Yeah, I actually knew it wasn't. I knew it was WW. It's funny because the office here uh, the other day was like trying to guess what my middle name was because they thought it started with a, a J. So you asked me a question just a little bit about me and my background. So yeah. I, I, um, while I was in college, I started working at Best Buy part-time, seasonal, uh, slinging TVs, big yeah. tube TVs, Sony yeah. Trinitrons. I was there for about 16 years. And so I did everything from selling portable DVD players seasonally all the way through up um, uh, store general manager locally here in Saugus and, and the, eventually the Danvers location. Then I ran Boston as a district manager. While I was a district manager, I got really interested in real estate. So I was making good money. I had stores all the way from Brockton to uh, Southern New Hampshire, uh, out to Framingham, and uh, obviously all of the inner city. And I was living in Quincy at one point. I moved back to Lynn, where I grew up, and I just needed something. And where it's at, I would just point out. Lynn, Lynn. yeah. Shout out to the, the shout Lynn out to peeps. Lynn. Yeah, shout out to my um, Lynn peeps. So, and uh, I, d- I was just looking for uh, two things. First off, a multifamily to invest in. I read a couple books, got super interested. And that was like really when like HGTV really started to take off, a lot of flipping. And, and let's face it, this was like 2012, mm. 13, 14. The market was at its lowest. 11 and 12 was some of the best time to buy real estate in the last 20, 30 years. I may have bought my house in 11. Smart man. I well, think, I didn't know I was smart. I just need a place to live. Right? Yeah. So a long story short, I, I wanted to invest in real estate. Here I am teaching, you know, corporate sales and leadership and uh, brand standards and all this stuff. I really got frustrated with the, the real estate industry, quite frankly. So what and, was it about the real estate industry that frustrated you? So like literally I read, have you ever read Rich Dad, Poor Dad? I have. Killer book. Changed yeah. my life. Yeah. Right. 
And I read a couple other books that were all about just investing and, you know, trying to get to this uh, multiple different income stage where like you're an employee, but you also have a business, you have some passive income and rental, the cash flow quadrants, if you will. And uh, so I started, um, you know, just doing whatever consumer does, um, talk to a couple local banks, get pre-approved. That was more painful than it should have been. Mm-hmm. Um do you think yeah. it's gotten better since 2011? <laughs> Hell yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and you know, it's, I, I hate to date myself, but like the internet was different then. You know, The whole I mean? world was the different The computer then. industry was, was significantly different then, but... I don't... Did we have iPhones yet? You know, I think we did. Yeah, the iPhone came out in Not, like 2007. Yeah, I don't know. I had the three... I've had, I've had an iPhone since the 3GS, man. I... Th- I, man, we, we it was to, hard to let go of my BlackBerry world. Oh, I had I was a big BlackBerry guy. I was too. I was a black, I, you know, BBM and people was cool. Uh, that was pretty sweet. It was it was a good device, you know. Yeah, I had the Motorola Q. Oh, that thing was lit. That was, that was lit. lit. But anyway, <laughs> off of old cell phones, you know. So here I am. It was like this real uh, irony paradox, whatever you want to call it, where, where I'm leaving my corporate job and of professionalism and sales and client service. And we had to know everything there was to know about like a laptop to be able to sell it to a client, a TV. And then I'm clicking around on the internet on Zillow, of course, like, uh, like most consumers do when they start the real estate journey. And I met with uh, bad salespeople, non-timely salespeople, unprofessional salespeople, unprepared salespeople. Like we used to teach a step at Best Buy called being prepared to sell. Like it was like how you checked in on the day, you got caught up on the market and the numbers, like whatever it was. And like you read about a local product that just came out. Like we were so sharp on that and kudos to Best Buy taught me a lot. I like to tell people I went to the, I, I graduated with a, with a doctorate in, in retail from Best Buy, right? So I am constantly <clears throat> amazed at the level of training that Best Buy does. Every conversation that I think you and I have when I call you for some sort of advice or a problem that I'm dealing with, and you usually start off with, well, when we were at Best Buy <laughs> or when I was at Best Buy, this is how we were trained or taught to deal with this. And shout out to Best Buy. Like your your training and, and development is like bar yeah, it's out. And, and I had some great re- leaders there. And like Ryan, who became a client of mine locally, uh, was a great leader, taught me a ton of stuff. And a, a lot of that I've transferred to this business, which is, which is awesome. And, and I'm sure we'll talk about it at some point. But when I went to go buy a home, really disappointed. And as a joke, me and a buddy of mine, decided to open a real estate company, like completely as a troll on the industry, right? So I was like, listen, I'll go get my salesperson license. Um, he was an attorney, so could be the broker of record. And we started a small firm. And like, of course, like I always do, I kind of went a little crazy. I rented us office space, you know, and like we turned this into like a real thing, like real fast. And quite frankly, had no clue like what I was doing. But at the end of the day, I did two things. I learned the product really, really well. And that means like the type of roofing, the type, the type of HVAC, heating, cooling, foundations, um, architecture, whatever. Like we just studied the product. Because again, that's like, you know, Best Buy always used to say expertise comes with knowledge and skill. So there's skills you can practice, like how to interact with the consumer, how to ask great questions, how to overcome objections. And then there's knowledge. Like I need to know what the F I'm talking about, right? So I started with the knowledge part and the skills came over time. I think that was like 2013 or 14. I ended up actually transferring and uh, running sales in New York and Connecticut for 38 locations instead of the 14 in Boston and way more employees and very specific honed in on sales strategy. Uh, The whole time 
you know, I'd catch a plane Tuesday, work Wednesday, Thursday, uh, work from home on Monday and Friday, you know, as the evenings came, would kind of dabble in the real estate market a bunch and uh, start showings, do open houses, hit every product or sorry, every home in the neighborhood to learn the market. Next thing you know, I just built a really loyal client base. You know, after studying the, the product and just treating clients the right way, just had this super loyal following where it got so busy. I remember very specifically, Jen stopped working for two reasons. My wife stopped working for two reasons, take care of her dad. And like, I needed help. These four or five days, I wasn't in the market, right? So she would be like at home inspections for me or smoke inspections for me. And it just became so much. And we found out we were having Kennedy and uh, it just came time to call it. You know what I mean? So in 2019, after being a quote unquote, I, I don't like to call it a part-time agent because I still worked like 40 hours every week in real estate, but we merged and acquired another firm. We uh, rebranded as Legend Young. And then, yeah, it was full-time. One of the first things I did was hire a real estate coach to kind of just continue to stay learning, right? Because Ryan was always my leader who taught me shit constantly. At Best Buy. At Best Buy, yeah. yeah. And, I was and like, you didn't have that here. No, I guess he's still a buddy of mine, right? We don't talk as much as we used to because we got busy lives. But yeah, I was like, who's that dude now? Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll sadly, sadly get to pay for it. You 100%. Know I mean? so, and I know you and I talk all the time about business coaching, mm-hmm. like whether it's a, a level of business therapy, whether it's actual therapy, whether it's a business coach, a professional coach, a brand coach. There's so many different, like we coach each other a lot. Yep. There's uh, we need those people. Right. And so, um, well, it's the things that people never teach you. Like you don't learn this in school. You don't learn it in business school. You don't learn it in law school. You, yeah. you know, you, you, you have to get it to grow your business. No doubt. And I think that as, I talk to people on a regular basis. I am starting to to really be able to tell who else works with a coach, right? Oh, yeah. And those are the people I'm drawn to. I want to hear why they're making the decisions they're making and what they're doing in their businesses, right? And then I'm almost bored with the people that are... Well, we have different problems. I know where you're going with this, yeah. I think, right? Because like, it's interesting because recently in the last year, we, we elevated our coaching tier so to speak, to a much a significantly more expensive level. Mm-hmm. But what it did is, uh, for lack of a better word, it segregated us into another group of people who had brokerages, who had teams, who were doing the same transaction volume, who are in a very same niche of you know business. Is it niche or niche? I think it could be either, right. depending whether you're from East East Lynn or South Swampscott. <laughs> that was a good one. So... Um, and, and that was really cool because instead of being in a room of 7,000 people at a conference where literally I, I remember this epiphany where I had to change uh, coaching tiers because the person next to me was like, hey, how much business do you do? And in my first full-time year, it was cool because I went from eight or, or like 10. I don't even know how many transactions I did in 2019. It wasn't a lot. Forex them. Yeah, we did yeah. 60. We planned to do 61 deals. We did 61 deals. And then the year after we planned to do 100, we did 100. Right. And like most realtors sell two to three deals a year, maybe. And, uh, you know, you're, you're in the top third of the top 1% if you do that type of business in Massachusetts, right? So I remember sitting next to whomever it was and they were like, I'm thinking about hiring an assistant. I did 10 deals last year. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like, like no offense. Like I, that person wanted my help. Sadly, I wanted to find the person who was sitting next to me who did 400 deals. A hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I still helped him out to be clear, but of course like, you did. Cause that's just the kind of guy you are. But like, you know, that segregation again, for lack of a better word of, of the 50 to 100 or 200 people that 
were all doing 80, 90, 100, 200 deals, had teams, had staffs, had offices. Like those are the people I wanted to learn from, right? So, well, And those are the people I want to surround myself with, no right? Doubt. Like I don't ever want to be the most successful person in the room. Like yeah. I always want to be they the say least the, successful. They say you're the average of the top five people you associate yourself with, right? So how do you continue to, you know, cut the bottom 20%? It's, it sounds mean, right? And it's funny, like, I feel bad. I have so many great friends that I've made over the years, right? Dude, this is hard work. Yeah. Right? This is seven day a week. You and I, like, this is this is a federal holiday. We're recording this right now. Oh. And, uh, like, the staff's off today. The office is closed today. But, like, here we are in what hypothetically should be our free time. And I think we both came from other things that we were working on and are going to leave here and yeah. go do other things yeah. for work. Yeah. So it's just crazy. Like, that's what I want to be associated with. And so, like... For the friends and family out there, like, dude, you don't call me. First off, the phone works both ways if you want to call. Second, <laughs> My favorite answer to that question. Se- second is like, man, we're we're hustling. We're grinding right now. And I'm doing it so in five to ten years from now, we can go get a beer somewhere and I, I don't have to worry about that stuff, right? Or, or we could go out on that boat you have. We'll have to we'll have to cut that from the from the podcast. So, oh, um, <laughs> it's fine. Um, no, but like we work our asses off and yeah. we get these things and we like get to this level and we don't even have time to enjoy it because we just keep it's working. Super frustrating. Yeah, isn't it? like it's weird because uh, if you ever told me in 2019, Seth, in 2021, you're going to sell 100 houses. I'd be like, dude, that's so crazy. Like, I'm going to probably retire after that and go somewhere. But like this this weird thing about this business is the, again, lack of a better word, the addiction to growth. Mm-hmm. And like, again, like that's part of like, I think a Best Buy problem that I have. Like we always used to talk about revenue growth yeah. and profit growth. Yeah. And if you have those two problems where you're not growing revenue, Mm-hmm. And you're not growing profit, dude. Grow or die. Yep. And I and I firmly believe right now in the market that we're in, coming into, coming out of, will be in for the next eighteen months. Like this is where this is the separator. Where you know it's I mean? grow or die. It's grow or die. Yeah, no doubt. So, all right, we've hit like thirty minutes. I want to try one thing yeah, before before we end. One of the podcasts I was listening to, I don't even remember what it is right now, but it, the the concept was like trying to come up with an annual word or a word to push you for like the next period of time uh, to to sort of ingrain in your head as to like what you're going to do. So I was talking to a buddy of mine and he said his word for the next six months is going to be yes. Like he doesn't like to say yes to things. He likes to go home after work and, and, and sort of do things. So if you had to pick one word, Seth, that'll sort of embody the next six months, what do you think it would be? Jeez, that's a hard question. Hustle. And I don't mean that in the negative connotation, right? Like, no, I didn't think you this, did. This, uh, this is hard work, right? And the people who are working today, not that the listeners know what day it is. On, we're, it's Veterans Day. We're doing this. Um, the people that are working on that day off, the people that are in the office at, at Saturday at 8 a.m. because they have three, four, five things they need to get ahead of for Monday and they have 10 more clients they get a call to check in with, like, that's the difference maker right now. And don't get me wrong, I I no doubt have a poor work-life balance. I think the more you hustle now and the more you grind now, again, in this separation-type market, fast forward 24, 36 months, you will, you will have untakeable market share. And so right now, it's head down, hustle. I like that. 
What about you? You know, as you were talking, I was sort of realizing that I would have to answer the question too, <laughs> and uh, I was not prepared for that. So, you know, I think very similar to you, I think that that I am, you know, sort of looking at my business in a very similar way. Like you, am am certainly hustling and, and grinding, but I'm also trying to really be accountable. Ooh. So I, I think that that I'm trying to use uh, accountability in all sorts of ways. I'm trying to hold other people accountable. I'm trying to hold myself accountable. Um, so I, I think if I had to pick a word, it would be accountable. I think that's a great word. What's the etymology of it? <laughs> We'd have to ask Martin. Yeah, we're going to have to look up the etymology of Listen, I'll, accountable. I'll, I'll tell you this too. Like In the recent three, four, five months, our real estate firm, Reference Real Estate, and the, and the team has become super accountable. If you're not inspecting what you expect right now, and you're not leading by example right now, I think those folks will get left behind, right? I can't, I can't expect, you know, as an example, we have like six open houses this weekend. And I would never, and a lot of people ridicule me for this, like I would never expect the agents to sit those open houses if I'm not also sitting in open house. We should never ask our staff to do something that we're not willing to do ourselves. Yeah, I completely agree, right? And, and listen, do I want to work open houses to the day I die? No. But that's a part of this business, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I love doing it. I love interacting with the clients. And I think, again, being accountable and setting... We, we actually just recently started a uh, best practice from several other real estate companies and accountability meeting weekly. Um, so 15, 20 minutes, everybody from the real estate team has to hop on. Yeah. We track it every week. Yeah. So were you on, um, what were you working on the past week? You have to report back on it. Yeah. This isn't story time. Yeah. I don't want to hear what you did this weekend. I don't want to hear how your family's doing. I mean, I do, but it's not in this meeting, right? right? It's a, Hey, I said I was going to set 10 appointments by calling 500 of my past clients. I made this many calls. I made this many appointments. Uh, Hey, what worked? What didn't work? Okay, what what skill are we working on this week to get better and close that loop? Yeah. And that's it. And if you didn't do the shit that you said you were supposed to do, then there's going to be, um, I don't want to call it public humiliation, but like you're on a call with your peers, right? So if that means you were supposed to work open houses for new lead business, yeah. maybe you don't have the opportunity to do so because we don't let you, Yeah. right? Maybe we shut you off lead generation as we generate hundreds of new buyer and seller leads here weekly. Mm-hmm. Maybe we shut you off for the week until you go back and freaking do the work. And see the value in the work. Yeah. And and what what's nice is like, at the end of the day, running a business, as you, as you know, whether it's payroll or tech costs, cost a ton of capital or both yes so um i think it, it it's a way to uh, kind of gut check that incentive you know the allocation of assets right if if i'm giving out business to people who in turn are not accountable then they lose the opportunity to receive that and i'll tell you what it's built a different muscle for us in the last uh you know six to eight weeks that we've been doing it and it's kind of foolish we haven't done it in the past you know shout out to lisa shinati and uh, Byron Lazine, who kind of all we're talking about that a lot at, at different conferences and at dinners I've been to, and uh, Dan O'Neill mentioned it too, and he told me all about it. And these are these are top real estate brokers across the country, mm-hmm. um, locally in the in the Northeast uh, corridor, and uh, you know the Tom Tool in Philly, whatever whoever you are, right? Like this is a best practice of folks that run huge organizations, and it just freaking works, man. You well, know, you just encourage me to get back on my. Uh, Monday morning huddle, which I canceled two weeks ago when people stopped showing up. And one of the things that we were doing was we were talking about our 
accompl- our, our two top accomplishments from the previous week and our two goals for the coming week. That that was essentially the meeting format for yeah. 20 minutes. I, I think there's a great opportunity to talk about family, talk about the weekend, talk about what's working, what's not working, right? And that's that, you know, whether it's skill building or knowledge building, whatever you need, that's a meeting. That's a sales meeting. That's a team meeting. Then there's the accountability huddle and they're separate, similar, Mm -hmm. but separate. And that's just like, we're reporting facts. Did you do what you said you were going to do this week? Man, listen, it's gotten to a point where our team, where everyone is upping their game and it only takes one person to set a higher goal mm-hmm. and then watch the entire squad says, well, if so-and-so is doing that, then I guess I have to do the same. And just constantly, everyone's putting out more output every week, talking to more clients, setting more appointments, and providing our services to the people that need it, right? So it's super important. Great practice. Yeah. Have you ever read um, It's uh, The Four Disciplines of Execution? No. Uh, there's four things, and if we'll see if I can remember these these four pieces of accountability and then we're gonna have to wrap first off you have to have you have to focus on the leading indicator right so uh, the joke i've made to my team several times if i told you brendan i wanted to lose 20 pounds by june you would tell me to do these two things eat less and work out more bingo right i couldn't you know and i could track calories right i could track workouts how many times I worked out, what was my heart rate, all these things. These are leading indicators. If I just jump on the scale once a week, that's a lagging indicator, right? And so the leading indicators are pro- predictable and influenceable on the lagging measure, right? So you got to focus on those two. Another thing is you have to have a player's scoreboard. Very important. I'm going to forget one of, these, one of these disciplines of execution. But the player's scoreboard, the best analogy is the, is the football scoreboard. At any time, you can put on the game. And you can you know what down it is, you know who has the ball, how many timeouts are left, how much time's on the clock, what quarter it is, and what the score is. I know I it doesn't matter if I miss three quarters of the game. I know exactly what's going on. I might have missed a big play, but I know what's going on. And as long as you have that in your business, it's gonna breed execution. Another thing you gotta do is you gotta have a strong cadence of accountability. And that's why I started telling the story, because that's the accountability meeting, right? It has to be the same time. Every week, very predictable, you mandate attendance, and what you do is you talk about those leading measures, right? Can we forward this podcast to my entire team so that (laughs) they can listen to this? The fourth one was, uh, okay, so it's focus on the wildly important and act on the lead measure. So I kind of combined those two. That's why I was missing it. But, But I remember that, and again, that's a book that I think Ryan had me read years ago. And it just kind of changed how I, how I did business. So yeah, but yeah, you asked me, uh, my word was hustle and mine was accountability. So let's end it there with hustle and accountability. Should be the hustle and accountability podcast. I mean, maybe that maybe, maybe it evolves over time. Cool. Well, uh, thanks for listening to to the people out there and uh, stay tuned in the coming weeks where we drop a first few episodes around kind of the real, the real estate market and, and the mortgage industry and, and also a little bit about uh, the financial industry and kind of the stock market and inflation, all that type of stuff. And whatever else uh, suits our fancy in the moment, the yeah. leading indicators. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, all right. We'll talk to you guys soon. All right. Thanks.